All right, so please follow along with me. Proverbs 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants, and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come, eat my food, and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways, and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers, or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise, and they will love you. Instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you, will, you alone will suffer. Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house, on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for our time together in your word. I pray that you would uh, open our hearts to you, open our minds so we can understand uh, what you have to say to us, but most importantly, uh, open up our hearts uh, so we can hear from you and, and uh, be changed uh, to be made more into the image of Christ Jesus and to be given a deeper love for him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Sometimes it all comes down to a single choice. Maybe some of you have seen that old game show. I'm using the phrase old. It's not that old. Uh, Who wants to be a millionaire? Has anyone seen that show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Okay. A couple people have seen it. Well, it finally got canceled this summer, so I didn't know if you knew that, but it's kind of sad. And this is a picture for those that, uh, you know, were born uh, recently. Uh, (laughs) This is kind of the, the, the format of the game show. The game show host, uh, his name was Regis Philbin, uh, the, the first uh, host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And he would ask contestants trivia questions. And the first question was pretty easy, uh, but then the questions got harder and harder and harder. But the nice part was that they became worth more and more money. Uh, so the more questions you could answer, the more you could win from $100 for the first question up to a million dollars for the 15th question. And if you missed any questions, uh, the amount you won got knocked down a lot. So you didn't want to lose, you didn't want to miss any questions. Now, I didn't watch this show very often uh, growing up, uh, but I did recently see a clip of the show from a, uh, featuring one of the contestants. His name was John Carpenter. And he made it all the way to the million dollar question. And he actually still had three lifelines. So if you don't know what a lifeline is, there are these ways that you can get some help, right? The first one is phone a friend. Uh, So you can actually call someone, and they have 30 seconds to give you their answer. You can reduce it, called 50-50. You can reduce it from four answers to two. uh, Or you can ask the audience and kind of do a survey. 
Now, he got all the way to the million-dollar question. Maybe you want to see what a million-dollar question looks like. This is what a million-dollar question looks like. Uh, which of these U.S. presidents appeared on the television series Laugh-In? Now, if you know the answer, don't shout it out. Uh, for all of you uh, huge Laugh-In history fans, uh, the first is Lyndon Johnson, B, Richard Nixon, C, Jimmy Carter, D, Gerald Ford. Uh, does anyone have any idea of who the answer is? Okay, a couple people would win a million dollars and then tithe. I like that. Uh, they would be uh, real generous uh, with Cornerstone. I'm excited uh, for that. So, the, so you, you guys know the answer. Okay, well, the, the rest of you can kind of think it over um, uh, because we're going to come back to what the answer is. So you have a little bit of time. Uh, see, this is a, a pretty important question, right? It's worth a million dollars. But I actually want to talk about a question tonight that has even higher stakes than a million dollars. That's worth even more. See, what's at stake with this question is eternity, is heaven or hell. And that's a pretty serious thing. And so this is the question. Which path will you take, the way of wisdom or the way of folly? There's not four options. There's just two. Which path will you take, the way of wisdom or the way of of folly. Now we've been in the book of Proverbs. Uh, we're coming to the end of the ninth chapter, and if you look at the structure of the book, this is actually a pretty significant place because it kind of ends the mm, introduction, uh, kind of the more story-like uh, uh, Proverbs in the first nine chapters. Next week we're going to pick up in the ending sequence, uh, Proverbs chapter thirty, and then going to thirty-one. Because the, the center uh, part of the book of Proverbs are what you are probably more familiar with as you think of a proverb, kind of like a pithy little stain, saying. And we're going to be looking at those kind of through the fall, but I want to wrap up the, the front end and the back end, and then we'll look at the center. But if you look at the first nine chapters, and even at the end, and, and I think even in those center individual verses, they're always kind of presenting two paths to us, the way of wisdom, the wise path or the way of folly, the foolish path. And so I want to expand on one of these, these, these choices a bit more. And I want you to think about this and say, what choice am I making? Am I choosing the way of wisdom or am I choosing the way of folly? Because this isn't just something abstract. This is, this is real. <laughs> and so I want each of us to think about the path that we are taking. And I want to look first at the way of wisdom. Option number one. And this is the first 12 verses. Now, what I mean by uh, a choice, choosing the way of wisdom or the way of folly, I don't mean like a singular choice. I think our walk with God can often begin uh, with a choice. Uh, you know, I, I decided to follow Christ Jesus. But I think it's also talking about a lifetime of choices. It's talking about more of like a journey of going after God uh, day in and day out. And that's where uh, the choice begins, with God. See, the way of wisdom begins with a relationship with God. We actually see this in the first couple verses. So I want to read verses 1 through 4. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants, and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. Now here we find Lady Wisdom, a metaphor for God. We were just watching the Bible Project video that was talking about wisdom and uh, it, it being one of God's attributes. 
Well, God, through wisdom, is calling for people to come to him, to come and learn his words and come and learn his ways, to come and learn the ways of God. Come to me, come to wisdom. Now, in this culture, for a woman to invite a man to dinner was not like, hey, let's go get dinner at Panera, uh, you know, or, or five guys. It was more like, I'm going to make you steak. <laughs> We're going to have a candlelit dinner. It's, uh, it's a, a kind of a, an, an opportunity for intimacy and for closeness and connection. And so uh, it was not a small thing to be called by a woman. Meat uh, she says, I'm going I'm to prepare uh, this meat for you. Well, that was rare. That was expensive. Like, they don't have refrigeration <laughs> in this culture. So in wisdom is inviting uh, this, this son figure in our, in our chapter today, Proverbs 9, to have an intimate, close, connected relationship with her. And so I think it's God inviting, inviting us to come and have a relationship with him to seek God. Now, wisdom's house is also built at the high point of the city. If we look at verses 1 through 3, she talks about building her house. And then she says, my, my, uh, my servants, they call from the highest point of the city. And so, uh, as we think about the author Solomon, uh, he is in Jerusalem. What's at the high point in the city of Jerusalem? Well, the temple the temple is on the, the Temple Mount, which is the highest point in the city of Jerusalem. And that's where God's presence dwells. So wisdom is in inviting people, come to my house, come to the temple, come and experience God's presence. And that is what God is doing here tonight. God's inviting us to his presence. God is inviting us to come and know him and be in relationship with him. God invites us to seek him. Are you seeking God? Do you want to seek God? Do you want to be in relationship with God? Because that's where wisdom comes from, from a relationship with the king of the universe. Now, Proverbs 1.7, so if we go all the way back to chapter 1, to the very first sermon in Proverbs, it talked about the fear of the Lord. And this is where wisdom begins. And we actually see this kind of repeated at the end of chapter 9. Uh, chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is really talking about a relationship with God, a relationship with the one who created you. Wouldn't that be nice if you could be in a relationship with the one who created you, to know him and be known by him? The Bible Project talked about this eternal uh, communion of love. That's an interesting way to describe the Trinity and that we are invited into that relationship. Christ Jesus embodies wisdom. He comes and he lives among us so that we can be in relationship with God, so that we can experience wisdom, so that wisdom has flesh and bones. Jesus actually identifies himself with Lady Wisdom in Matthew chapter 11, verse 19. So often we think of wisdom, like when you think about wisdom, when we pray for wisdom, maybe, maybe you think of it like, if I can just acquire wisdom, I will make the right decisions and I will get ahead in life. So wisdom kind of becomes this thing. It's like this knowledge base plus this ability to make good choices. But what if wisdom wasn't just that? What if wisdom was a person? <laughs> and in order to get true wisdom, wisdom as God created it, 
You actually have to be in relationship with that person. You have to seek that person. And that's what we, that's what we see in the scriptures. That Christ Jesus actually comes along, and you can listen to last week's sermon if you want to hear more about this. Christ Jesus comes along and he puts flesh and bones on wisdom itself. Wisdom is no longer just a what, but a who. It's not a thing, but a person. So we can have a relationship with wisdom. We can have a relationship with God. And see, that's where the way of wisdom, that's where this choice leads us. If you've never chosen to be in a relationship with God, tonight can be the night. Choose to be in a relationship with the one who created you. You can do that through Christ Jesus. You can do that by seeking your heavenly father through him. I want you to imagine for a moment that you're on who wants to be a millionaire. Already some of you are like, your heart's beating. You're like, no, I don't want to be in the center of all those people. I'm terrible at trivia. I am not very good at trivia at all. I would probably not even win the $100. <laughs> now you're on who wants to be a millionaire. You get a really hard question. You decide to use a lifeline. And Regis calls your friend who is waiting for your phone call. Uh, and you're going to read the, quest- the question, and so you do. You read the question, and your friend pauses and says, well, that's a great question. I have no idea. Good luck. <laughs> or what if you called, and your friend didn't even pick up? You're like, this is the one time you're supposed to be waiting for my phone call. And there's silence. Well, we have a God who always picks up. We have a God who always answers. Now, he doesn't always give us the answer that we want. He doesn't give us the answer that we think is true. He gives us this answer. It's a long answer. It requires a lifetime of studying. As we go through the journey, we bring this book with us. We bring this Bible with us. And that's how we're hearing from God. And then we're hearing from the Holy Spirit that's speaking to us through our church family, through brothers and sisters in Christ, through prayer. There's this communion going. So we can hear from God and he can give us advice. He can lead us. There's nothing that is too small for you to ask God about. Nothing that is uh, bothering you too much that you can't complain to God about. (laughs) You can't ask him for what to do next. There's nothing you can't seek God over. He cares about everything. He cares about it all. God will answer. He doesn't always say yes or no. Sometimes maybe he says maybe or wait. Or he points you to a scripture passage. Or he speaks to you through a sermon or the worship. But God is speaking, but we have to listen. We have to hear him. The way of wisdom begins with a relationship. A relationship with God himself. And wisdom, also, the way of wisdom kind of... also has to do with the character of God. See, wisdom displays the character of God. Wisdom is one of God's attributes, one of God's character qualities. What this means then is to be wise is to reflect God's character. And so when you develop wisdom, that's one of the ways you can know if you're walking on the wise path, if you are walking on the way of wisdom, that you begin to display some of the character of God himself. And so we can look at this this passage and see how wisdom uh, reflects God. Wisdom is creative and works hard. Verse 1, wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven 
pillars. God is creative. He works hard. When we do that, we reflect his character. Wisdom is generous. Verses 2 through 6, she offers food and wine. God is generous. And we can give generously to reflect the character of God. Wisdom, I like this, wisdom is teachable. Verses 7 through 9, I didn't read them, but Mark read them. Talks about the wise learning from wisdom. The wise want to be corrected. The wise want to learn. Jesus himself actually embodies this. Jesus grew in wisdom. That implies that Jesus was teachable. (laughs) He was teachable the ways of God. And so as we become wise through a relationship with God, we will display the creativity. We will work hard. We will be generous. We will be teachable, humble. And the result of being in relationship with God, the fruit is these things. It's not that we do these things like, oh, I gotta be creative, I gotta be hardworking, I gotta be generous, I gotta be teachable, that way God will love me. Not at all. These are the fruit of being in relationship with God, of seeking God genuinely and honestly. And what do they lead to? They lead to eternal life. Verses 10 through 12 say, your days will be many. If you seek wisdom, I don't think that just means like I'll live a long life. It might be part of the kind of the blessing of seeking God's ways in this life. I think wisdom grants eternal life if you seek a relationship with God himself. So the way of wisdom begins with a relationship with God and displays the character of God. But there's another option. (laughs) This is only one of the choices. So you can choose another choice. This is option A. She's the the better choice. She's the better woman. But you can also choose the way of folly, the foolish foolish woman. And she is a, a tricky lady. See, the way of folly, verses 13, uh, Proverbs 9, verse 13 says this, Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. Uh, Tripper Longman, I'm reading his commentary, and he translates this, Woman folly is boisterous. She is simple-minded, but, but does not even know it. She's simple-minded, but she doesn't even know it. In other words, she's foolish, but she doesn't realize she's a fool. Here's kind of the catch-22 of being on the way of folly. You probably don't know it. There are many men and women. There are many boys and girls who are walking in the way of folly, and they don't know it. They don't care to know it because they like walking in the way of folly. It's fun. It's easy. I get to do life my way. I don't have to do life God's way. See, Lady Folly, she is the exact opposite of Lady Wisdom. Folly is naive. She knows nothing, verse 13. Folly is lazy. Verse 14 says she sits at the door of her house. She just calls out from her house. She doesn't even get up. Verse 17 tells us that folly is greedy and deceptive. It says stolen water is sweet, verse 17. Do you know where folly leads? Do you know where this path goes? A deep, dark pit. Hell. Verse 18 says, Her guests are deep in the realms of dead, 
of the dead. See, if you, if you choose a life of foolishness by, by choosing yourself, if you choose to live for yourself and just kind of ignore the ways of God, I think it was Bernie who described it, it's like you're eating dinner in a morgue. It's not like a very pleasant place to eat dinner. It could be a, it could be a candlelit dinner with steak. Still not a great place to eat dinner. So we don't want to be in the realm of the dead. We don't want to ignore God and his ways. If God created us, then he knows the best way to live. So we want to walk his way. It's not that we want to exert our will on others. It's that we are just saying this is God's will. Let's do things God's way because he knows what's best. Because when we walk God's way, we live, we experience eternal life. The way of folly leads to death. You know, maybe you're someone who thinks, you know what, that doesn't sound very good. <laughs> I'm not going to choose the way of folly. But, you know, I'm also really not buying this way of wisdom. You know, I'm, I'm going to find my own path. I'm going to find my own way. Well, there's only two answers. <laughs> there's only two answers. And if you don't choose one or the other and the time runs out, it's like you've chosen the way of folly. It ends. There's no middle ground. There's no, like, kind of Christian. Nominal Christianity isn't Christianity. There's only the way of wisdom or the way of folly. And I hope you'll choose the way of wisdom. You have to choose one or the other. <laughs> and we get to choose to be in relationship with God, to choose that wise way, that wise path that leads to eternal life that leads to paradise, a place of love and joy and peace. The Bible itself tells this story from beginning to end. The book of Proverbs isn't the only place that talks about this path. The rest of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, talks about this path, but in different language. But we see it coming up over and over and over again. And I wanted to kind of map these out for you. This is not a comprehensive list, but I... I enjoyed talk, looking at it. And so we're challenged. Are we going to choose the way of wisdom or the way of folly? In Genesis, we see that as the tree of life versus the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We saw that as Cain versus Abel. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, or Lot, Ishmael, and Esau. Israel, or Egypt, and Canaan. King David, or Saul and Absalom, Jesus Christ, or ourself in the world, the narrow gate or the wide gate. Revelation talks about it as the dragon or the lamb, which is God or Satan. I switched that. <laughs> it's good to, good to recognize that. The lamb or the dragon. And it ends with a new heaven and new earth, or hell. The way of wisdom, that was just a test to see if you were paying attention. The way of wisdom or the way of folly, which will you choose? 
See, when we choose self, and when we read through like even the middle chapters, we're gonna be looking at little Proverbs, but at the end of the day, it is about choosing a relationship with God. That's at the core of the, of the, of the book of Proverbs. That's the heart of this book, choosing wisdom, choosing God. So I wanna encourage each one of us tonight to choose God, to choose his ways. So my big idea is just choose the way of wisdom, choose Christ. Choose to be in relationship with God. Choose him today, tomorrow, and then choose him the next day. Because it's a journey. I don't think once God has chosen you that you can get off that journey. But keep seeking him. Keep choosing him. But if you were kind of paying attention to this chart, you know there's a little bit of a kicker in here. (laughs) Because over and over again, the people of God don't choose wisdom. (laughs) the people on this chart, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like they were all stellar followers of God, weren't they? (laughs) They never messed up. King David, man, no, they were broken. They sinned a lot. They were messed up. Why is that? We actually read about it back in chapter four. I didn't really highlight it then, but I want to go back and highlight it. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Proverbs 4, 23. See, what we do shows what's in our heart. Sometimes we think, if I can just do the right thing, that'll change my heart. It's actually the other way around. What's in my heart impacts what I do. So our behavior, the things we do, the decisions we make, it displays what's really on the inside. And what's really true is that all of humankind, every single one of us is bent. We're all bent toward sin. We're all bent towards brokenness. We're all bent towards choosing our own way. It's been that way since the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But there's good news. There's gospel news. That God loved us enough to come and unbend our hearts. God loved us enough to send his son, Christ Jesus, wisdom in the flesh, to walk the wise path for us. Kind of like to throw us on on his back and to, to hike up that mountain. Christ did it. Christ walked the way of wisdom that no human being has ever walked or will ever walk apart from Christ Jesus. He didn't swerve to the left. He didn't swerve to the right. And he says, if you'll just believe in what I did and what I accomplished, if you'll have faith in me, if you'll confess your sins, if you'll confess your folly, like I will make you wise. I will grant you my wisdom and I will make you wise. See, Jesus, he took the consequences for our folly on the cross (laughs) because we all walk that way. We all walk the foolish way. And that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need God to come and rescue us. And the good news, the gospel news, is that we can be forgiven. And if you believe in Jesus, and if you're trusting him, Jesus has forgiven you. You are forgiven. And day by day, even though it might not feel like it, God is making you a little bit more wise. Christ is making you a little bit more like himself. So choose the way of wisdom. Choose Christ. Choose the way of wisdom. Choose Christ. 
Maybe you want to know what happened with the million-dollar question. (laughs) Maybe you want to know what the answer is. Maybe you've been Googling it on your phone. Who was on laughing? Well, when Regis uh, read the question to John Carpenter, he said he'd like to call his parents. He asked to use his lifeline to call his father. And so Regis dialed him up, and he gets his dad on the line, and he says this. He says, we got your son John with us now. He's doing pretty well. He's won a half million dollars, and he's going for a million dollars. And his dad just kind of laughs at this. He must have been pretty pleased. Regis adds, and he needs your help to get there. So he's going to come on the line, read four possible answers, and one of them is the right answer. And the next voice you hear will be John's. You've got 30 seconds. Starts right now. And the 30-second countdown timer starts. The clock starts going 30, 29, 28. And John says, hi, Dad. I don't really need your help. I just wanted to let you know I'm going to win the million dollars. And the audience like, ah, that's amazing. <laughs> and Regis smiles, and John says, because the U.S. president who appeared on Laughing is Richard Nixon. That's my final answer. Like the most inspiring point of my sermons, Richard Nixon. <laughs> Hopefully the gospel is a little bit more inspiring. John Carpenter was the first player to ever win a million dollars. And he used his lifeline to tell his father he had won. He had made the right choice. I hope that you will make the right choice too. And if you do, your heavenly father will be incredibly pleased. Every time we choose the path of wisdom, we are choosing a prize much more valuable than a million dollars. We're choosing God himself. God is choosing us. And we're, we're choosing eternal life through his son, Christ Jesus. I think this pleases our father. If you haven't called your heavenly father up recently, call him up tonight. Tell him you choose him and his ways. I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. Choose the way of wisdom. Choose Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Christ Jesus and what he did on the cross. Thank you that he is the wise son, and that we can know him, and that we can grow in wisdom. Thank you that we have so many shortcomings. Thank you for our shortcomings because they point us to Jesus. They show us our need for him. Thank you for grace, Father. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, I pray for the offering. Would you bless it? Bless this church. Thank you for everyone here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.